This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? What's going on? Welcome to the second hour of the Power Breakfast Show. Thank you, A.V., for our major news. Of course, we've got a news break coming up at the top of the hour, 8 o'clock. That's 45 minutes from now. All courtesy, Sean Flair Auto Services. Before we give you results of our morning poll, let's take a look what's happening traffic-wise. Going through Santa Rosa, a bit busy. Um, let's see. Uh, Orange Grove towards Yui, you've got traffic. Coming out of St. Joseph onto the Eastern Mino, also a bit busy. Then slow going from the interchange, heading straight into Port of Spain. Nothing out of the west. And heading down south, Riverland Road, that's heavy. But nothing, leaving south on the solo. This Riverland Road's a bit heavy. All right. Um, all right, let's get the results of our morning poll. I've got one more for you online. Well, I got two more. Let's see. I got Eddie saying yes. Um, okay, and that's it. Thank you, Rampage, for your message. Of course, um, I'm getting reports uh, this morning that there's protests. Um, just before Maracas Beach, La Follette, Las Cuevas, and Blanchichez this morning, all concerning road conditions. Oh? Yeah, so they're burning. And Blanchichez Road, you said? Yeah, Blanchichez, La Follette, Las Cuevas, and just before Maracas, um, as you head to the beach from the lookout. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Of course, that vote that you just sent in broke the tie. Um, I don't know if Richard have the same count as I. Yeah, I, I had, had a tie too. I had a I had a tie too. All right. Somebody's system is low. Yeah. Oh. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. It, Richard, you had ten all before that vote came in. Yeah. Right. So it's ele- now eleven ten. Eleven people said yes. People and ten said no. Right. Okay. It was even at the point that we went to the news. Yeah, yeah. So, 11 people said yes, they are concerned about monkeypox becoming a pandemic. And 10 people said no. Alright? Alright. Alright, gentlemen, I need to do a reboot on a PC here, so I may have to be offline for a minute. I hope they don't underestimate this one too and wait long, long. What is that, Paul? You said something. I hope they don't underestimate this one also. The monkey box. Which yeah. is what we, we spoke about. Um, um, you know, I will stop sending suggestions all year for interviews. But he's right, though. Brian Manning is just, is just going to proffer the... the what the Minister of Finance says. He's a junior minister, no, Minister of Finance. We have, we have interviewed him on other issues before, so why not on this? 
No, we could still because, have him, because, I guess. Because we want an objective <laughs> assessment. Not that he's not objective, but a non political ab- assessment of the rating from the agency. Well, 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 we could challenge him on what he says. I am not qualified to challenge him on what he says. Hey, hey. Are you qualified <laughs> on everything? I think you are. You want Brian Manning? Steve called Brian Manning now. When they clearly wants to talk to Brian Manning this morning. No, is he reached out to me, you know? I will call him right now if you want. Let's do that. He reached out to me, so I I said, not a problem. Let me get the opinion of the guys and get back to you. I have no problem talking to Brian Manning. I'm just not qualified to challenge him. He's a financially trained, you know. Yeah, I haven't read that S&P thing. I've been sent it by various people, but I haven't really read it. But I mean, yes, but I mean, uh, but we can't speak to Brian because he is a junior minister in the, in the Ministry of Finance. Mm. But, but basically, we expect him to parrot what the Minister of Finance says. Yeah, he has no choice. I, I, well, no, don't say he has no choice. He, he has no it. choice. He can't go against the minister's statements. You mad? But what the minister stated, I, we don't even know. That it's just trying to be a stable investment in great economy. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the minister is wrong? I'm not saying that. I'm saying I'm not qualified to counter him, if that's mm. what he said. Mm. I, I don't know what standard and post ratings mean, besides what they say it mean. You can put me in my place. But we can hear, okay. hear Brian's opinion of it? As minister, any minister yeah, of Steve, call Brian Manning. Clearly, Wendell wants to speak to Brian Manning this morning. I tell you, I have no, I know nothing about the S and P ratings. I haven't read it. Brian Manning said he would like to speak on it, so I said, "Fine, let me find out from the guys, the eminently qualified guys." You want to speak to him? What's his What's his name? Former chair of TN Tech Two. Who's that? The um, UNC Shadow Finance Minister. Who's that? Has the UNC issued a statement concerning the S and P ratings? Have they said anything about it? One of them did. Well, let's hear from them too. They said um, it just means that we are. <laughs> they said it just means that we are above a notch above junk status. <laughs> Which has been the statement generally. We're better than the bad place we were. Is that what this is? Recording in progress. I don't know if they're right or not. That's what they, if you're not trained for that, you know you're going to have the right or not. They could be talking shippiness too. <laughs> They can be talking stupidness. So I you saw it this a, morning. You can see right. I have a reputation for talking stupidness, but they don't, they don't mean they're talking stupidness in this instant. <laughs> All right, well, gentlemen, let's bring in uh, um, Mr. Brian Manning. Good morning. How you doing? Uh, good morning, everyone. Hope you're well. Good morning, Trinidad and Tobago. Thanks for having me. We are, we are well. We are good, well. Good morning, Brian Manning. And you should thank Wendell Stevens, who advocated ferociously for you to be on this morning. Wendell has always been a good guy. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Minister Brian Manning. Minister Manning, sorry, yes. He's always been a good guy. (laughs) (laughs) It has nothing to do with his political allegiance. 
nothing. Nothing at all. He's clearly objective in having you, the junior minister of finance, working alongside and under Colm Ember in talking about what the Ministry of Finance and the government of the Republic of Trinidad and Tobago thinks about the recent Standard and Pause rating. Yes, well, you want to get the Minister of State to the Minister of Finance? That is that the official term? It is. He is the Minister of Finance, Minister of State, the, the Minister of, of State. Ministry of Finance, That's working right. alongside and under the tutelage and guidance of the Honorable Colm Ember, Minister of Finance, to tell us about what the Standard and Poor's rating objectively yeah. and independently. Of course. Though I saw some, some comments over the weekend from various, um, some of these so-called economists. I saw one economist, I think it was Valmiki, whatever his name is, has said that, that it wasn't important, that our credit rating wasn't important. And I just wonder how anybody with any economic background can make such a statement. Clearly, our credit rating affects every interest rate in the country. I mean, every single one. It affects the cost of borrowing going forward. It affects the cost that even the average citizen of Trinidad can borrow money. So to say it doesn't affect the um, the cost of living is something that I don't understand. It is extremely important. Trinidad Tobago is the only country in this region that would have come out of COVID with a with a better credit rating than going in. It right, Brian, one one second. Oh, sorry, Minister Manning, one second. Give us, yeah. uh, for those who, who don't understand, give us a sense of what the rating categories are, where we yeah. were before this rating Ooh. and where we are now, and, and then we can wow, go into yeah. what it is. Yeah, actually we've had economics lesson there. But in, <laughs> in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, um, we, we are an investment-grade country. Okay, um, investment-grade means that we are one of the safer countries for foreign direct investment and so on. What some of the critics have been saying is that our, our rating has been falling since 2010, which is not exactly accurate. It's actually been falling since 2008, since the financial crisis um, of that era. And what happened between the 2010 to 2015 is that the government of the time would have loaded up on a lot of debt. And in 2014, we saw a global collapse in energy prices. But that didn't stop them in 2015 from foisting on us the single largest budget in the history of Trinidad and Tobago. Then again, Energy prices collapsed in 2016, and we have been trying to dig ourselves out of under that debt ever since. Then we got hit by COVID now in 2020. So it's been an extremely challenging time economically. And for us to maintain the credit rating that we have and to actually improve our outlook, it shows the fantastic effort and work by the, the Ministry of Finance and the government as a whole in terms of managing our, our fiscal affairs. And that's why it's so important. Um, to, to us and to the people of Trinidad and Tobago. What, is, what does junk bond status mean? What does that mean? I'm not saying that we are, but I just want to get yeah. some context into what the others... Junk the, the, bond, what it does is, is it severely limits your ability to borrow money. It says that you're not very credit-worthy. Your ability to repay your debt has been severely impaired and impacted. Okay, so there's junk bond status, and then there is, well, or speculative, and then there's investment grade. Trinidad and Tobago is the only investment grade country in CARICOM at this point in time. And maybe in the region, even part of Latin America, where we would be one of the few investment grade countries in this entire region. So that's, that's something so, extremely significant. So is it that we, we, our, our ranking improved? Did it, how, how, what what, so what our, was it then, uh, the last assessment, and where, where yeah, is it now? We are triple B minor. 
which makes us investment grade, which is adequate, but what improved was our outlook. And if you remember the last time, we went from stable to negative, and there was a whole uh, hullabaloo about us being downgraded, which is an actual downgrade. It was a change of, of our outlook. But now the outlook has improved. And the same person who was saying a downgrade before are not saying upgrade now, which is strange. But it shows that the kind of show economic footing that we are on and that our policies that we have put in place, even coming out of a pandemic, when the global economy basically shut down for two years, the worst you know, economic downturn in over 100 years. And Trinidad has come out of it in a position where we are, can grow our economy and really attract foreign direct investment to create jobs and to improve the quality of life of the people of Trinidad and Tobago. What are the so you mentioned the outlook aspect of it? Are there different categories within the single particular rating that people should be look focusing their attention on? Yes, there's there's positive, there's stable, and then there's negative. So we were we were in a negative position before. We have improved our outlook to stable. Okay. Is this is this in any way related to the the? good fortunes we've enjoyed in the last six months or so with the, with the energy commodity prices changing that direction? Too, that too, and proper fiscal management. It's not just about your revenues, but how your revenues are used and also your debt management. We have, you know, really managed our debt well. As you know, during the, financial, sorry, during the COVID crisis, we had to borrow significant amounts of money in order to, to fuel our social safety net and to keep this country running while energy prices at one point fell to, to zero, absolutely collapsed. But we managed it in such a way that we were able to repay a significant portion of that debt coming out of this COVID crisis. And that's why it's such an important, um, I would say, watershed moment for our economy. Rushton Parry, the, the UNC representative for Mayaro, is saying that it's just one grade above junk bond and that, um, and it's more in the speculative risk area. How do you respond to that? Yeah, Mr. Parry should back in his crease. Okay, we are, as I said earlier, we have the lowest cost of living in the entire region. Also, we are the only investment-grade country in the entire region. And S&P has said that there's a possibility for an actual upgrade within the next year or two. So we are in a, 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 a really good position in terms of our economic management and stability. And, of course, the government is doing various programs which we can now implement now that we've come out of this, this COVID period where we can create jobs, improve our economy, and really, really improve the lives of people of this country. And that's what we're excited about, and that's what we're ready to do at this point. When you say improve the economy, because you're talking about, you're, you're saying... You know, you're saying generic words. Um, no, could you be a little bit more specific several, about what the government's yeah, plans are to improve the economy? projects that we had in mind. I know we had the Phoenix Park project. Things were shut down for a bit. Um, get back to more construction within HGC housing. A lot of the local government efforts in terms of drainage infrastructure. All of those things are going to be the focus of our spending going forward. You know, there's only so much I can say at this point. We have our, uh, our national budget, which is coming up soon in September, where all will be revealed. We have invested a whole lot. We just uh, borrowed quite a bit of money from the CAF for digital transformation. We are working extremely hard in terms of making 
government services more accessible to the people of Trinidad and Tobago through digitization. And it's just going to be a ramp up of exactly what it is we have been working to do all of this time. Things were severely slowed down by COVID. You are going to see a, a government that is out there and going to work and really putting this country in the path to economic growth. And that is what we want. Yeah, Minister, I know that there was a focus, at least a statement made, about paying off some of the local contractor and other, uh, contractors and, of course, the VAT refunds to businesses and so on. Yeah. How has that been going? We haven't gotten an update on that. Yes, we're gradually doing that. Of course, that's one of the ways that we can pump money back into this economy. With the windfall, we are working to repay all outstanding debts, at least for the most part, the ones that can be, um, I would say, justified and confirmed. And we are working diligently to, to do that within the, this fiscal year. Minister Manning, your, well, the substantive minister, Minister Ember, in the Senate a couple of weeks ago, gave us an update on Trinidad and Tobago's debt-to-GDP ratio. It was, in, in my memory, I could be wrong, heading close to 87 or 89 percent. Can you give us an update on that, where we are, where we were in 2015, and, and how the debt-to-GDP ratio has evolved to 2022? in the context can, of that standard and poor rating? I can tell you right now that it's significantly lower than that point at this moment, but I am not authorized to give you the exact figure. That will come in time and will probably come from Minister Embert himself. But it is significantly lower than that 80% that you would have heard then. And it's because we have had a decided program where we are going to pay off our debt as quickly and as aggressively as we possibly can. We have been running deficit budgets in this country since about 2008, and it has really been a weight, a drag on this economy. Now, now let me just ask you a question, Mason. Does that, is that figure that's going to come from the Minister Imber inclusive of what is, what is going to be owed to public servants, the, the debt carried over by the former Petrotrin, uh, the debt of Wasser, uh, the borrowings, etc.? I never know how it's disaggregated. Yes, so all, all of those debts will be included as our national debt, so they're all included. But, but the important point that I'm, I'm trying to make is that carrying debt is still to be a drag on the overall economy because you're taking money to pay off debt, which you could have been use, using sorry, to invest in the economy. And that's why it's so important to keep your debt as low as possible. And, and that's one of the biggest things that we are working to do. Do you think the present levels of debt we're incurring, because the Prime Minister indicated in his last, it's not addressed to the nation, but his last conversation with the country a couple of days ago, that uh, when, when he broke down the issue of the money we're making now uh, from the windfall with energy prices, what yeah. is before the government in terms of the possible debt to public servants uh, and the other investment, the other areas government needs to service, how much of our debt being incurred now is being pumped into what may be described as productive endeavors, endeavors that will bear fruit in the future, not just pay recurrent expenditures and, and debt that's, that's coming from the past? But that's exactly the benefit that, that we have right now into coming out of COVID. We don't have to direct as much funding towards social development, social welfare, and our social safety net programs because people are now going back out to work and are getting out there so we are going to focus on really a lot of our PSIP projects, uh, projects that are going to create sustainable jobs. Uh, we have the several construction projects, HCC, the Eastern Port of Spain project, the, the, the 
Port in, in uh, Point Portin, Marina in Tobago, all of these major projects that are designed to really generate additional revenues and to grow the GDP of this country, they're all going to get going now. COVID has really severely hampered a lot of this growth. You know, but I'm, I'm going to interrupt you there. One, one of the issues yeah. that this government has had, and I know that COVID came in 2020, it was declared a pandemic, but the government had from 2015 to 2020, and yes, there were depressed energy prices, but a lot of the projects that were identified at the start of the administration, let's say two years into the administration, because you had a transition from the People's Partnership into the PNM government, Dr. Roddy's PNM government, never materialized. We heard about a port to Toko. We yeah, heard about so several big let's, projects let's that never materialized. Over, so so, so let, me just, let me just finish. Let me just finish. Uh-huh. One of the issues that this government has had is execution. I wouldn't say execution has been funding. Is that you can gloss over the, the downturn in oil and gas prices in 2014 and 2016. If you remember, at one point, oil had hit, I think, $28 a barrel, which is it's difficult to implement projects uh, for, for revenue generation when, you're, when your own revenues have been so severely hampered. Also, we were starting with huge debt in 2015. You know, in the middle of crashing oil and gas prices, the People's Partnership decided in their wisdom voice the single largest budget in the history of Trinidad Tobago. A lot of it, a significant portion of that budget would have been financed through debt. So we have had to, one, pay down our debts over a period of time while also finding fin- financing and funding for growth projects that actually generate revenues and create jobs, which has been an extremely difficult task. From 2015 to 2020, I would say that the PNM government has really stabilized our economy and poised us to put us in a position for growth. There were a lot of things that had to be paid off. We, we had no more um, credit at the central bank. We were in a, a very bad situation. So, so we're that predicating the big the PSIP projects on the present energy boom. What happens if that changes? Because they can change in a minute. The no. Prime Minister indicated in his conversation no, recently have, have, that America is pushing price. down their gas prices, which will have a direct yeah. effect on our gas prices and our oil prices, our revenues from those. So what happens if that turnaround yeah. or that we boom doesn't, doesn't continue? And our, our improved fiscal management of this economy. You have to also realize things have improved dramatically. Our, we have more credit at the central bank. Our HSF, as you will see soon, um, is larger than it was before. We've put money in the HSF. So there's a lot more funding available. Because of our credit rating, we now have access to financing at a much lower rate than the rest of the region. And all of this, even if we see a, a fall or a, a return to normal of energy prices anytime soon, we have put the economy in a situation where we, have, we can fiscally support these projects to bring extra revenues, uh, revenue generation to this country. So it, it is not just the improvement in international energy prices that are benefiting us. It is because the economy is being better managed by this government. And so so are you saying that now we, 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 are, we have learned to live on a $25 a barrel oil or a $2.25 per MMBTU? Is that, is that where we, we are basing our projections? What you have to realize, the HSF is called the Heritage and Stabilization Fund. And when it says stabilization, it's supposed to stabilize the fiscal expenditure of the government, which means in times of plenty, you would, imp- you would increase your deposits into the HSF. In the times of less, you would take money from the HSF to really stabilize the economy. When there's too much revenue, 
you have the, chat, the possibility of Dutch disease, inflation, all of those things that come from government overspending. When it's below, then you have a chance for recession and, you know, jo- no job security and, and falling, um, for falling employment. And that's the HSF supposed to stabilize boom and bust cycles. Our HSF has been performing extremely well. We had a record return last year in terms of return on investment. And we are poised to really invest capital into this economy, whether oil and gas prices are high or low. What effect? Minister, are we satisfied? Are we satisfied that we're doing a good enough job explaining this to the public at large? Well, I mean, sometimes you know the economy can be and finance can be difficult to explain in layman's terms. But we have been—I've been doing a round of events. We have been trying to really um, inform people of Trinidad and Tobago exactly why certain things are being done, such as the um, the, the the fuel subsidy, why it was reduced. What is the intention of doing that and so on? So we are trying our best in terms of uh, working with the Ministry of, of Communications in trying to reduce some of the, the economic policies that we're doing into bite sizes that most people can readily understand and digest. So we, we are working on it is what I'm trying to say. What is the effect of Guyana's present upward swing on Trinidad and Tobago's investment attraction options and also how much of a role will uh, Ambassador Enel play right. in, in building synergies with, between Guyana and Trinidad and Tobago? It's his role is extremely important. We believe that Guyana's success is our success. We are working together with our CARICOM brothers and sisters. They are our largest trading partners. Also because of our advantage in the energy sector, it creates opportunities for local um, energy experts, even the NGC, other energy agencies to do work in other parts of this region, including Guyana and Suriname. So Guyana's success is Trinidad and Tobago's success. And we are working together with CARICOM to improve and increase other initiatives that would benefit the entire region. So we are very happy to see what is going on in Guyana, and we are here to assist um, any way that we can. Is that part of why we're hosting the Guyanese president coming up soon? Well, it's a CARICOM event, and we are happy to, to host very, several events. They hosted over the region. I think Barbados had one the other day. It was an IMF conference for the region there, and now it's our turn to host um, for, I think we have an agricultural initiative that's coming soon that the, the Guyanese are extremely, um, I would say, gung-ho about. Can you give us an update on one of the projects that this government has announced a little bit uh, in the past, and I don't know if COVID had a part in, in slowing down its progress, was the solar energy farm that was announced. I think it's between Shell and, I forget the name of the company. That to me, light, is one of the more pro- source. light source, that to me is one of the more yeah. progressive moves I have heard yeah. of in the last 10 or so years. Yes, it's about 125 megawatts. When it's completed, it'll be the single largest solar park in the entire region. Um, it, it's progressing. And it is something that we're extremely proud about. One, it improves our, our carbon footprint, which is part of the Paris Agreement, which we are signed on to. It also gives us an alternative source of renewable energy so that we can put some of our natural gas to work in the economy in different ways. You know, many of our foreign direct investment targets will, uh, will ask that we have part of the energy that they're supplied with uh, to come from a renewable source. So it helps us in our ability to attract um, foreign direct investment, especially in the technology sector, 
which is something I'll be talking about more later on. Um, can can I give you some free communication day. advice? Can I give you some free communication <laughs> advice? And, then, yeah, and it, yeah. it's, it, it comes from Wendell's, Wendell's question a while ago about uh, government's seeming inability to maximize some of the good works they're doing in a, in a challenging time. And to me, the government has had a challenge or a gap in understanding that when you have mega projects like that, just saying it's the biggest solar plant in the Caribbean and it's 125 megawatts doesn't break down the information and tell about the in, how important it is for Trinidad to be moving forward 10, 15, 20 years and breaking it down for the average citizen to understand that having a solar farm of that magnitude in Trinidad Tobago is huge, not only in terms of what it can do for the economy with diverting the use of natural gas, but also improving our carbon footprint and putting us as a leader in renewable energy in the region. And the government has not done that successfully. They make sporadic statements on it. It's progressing, but getting us ready for it is something completely different. And the government is abysmally bad at that. Yes, well, we had our recent retreat, as you'd be aware of, uh, where we discussed a lot of these things. And, and all of the, the ministries have really decided to coordinate better with the Ministry of, uh, of Communications so that we can better get these things across to the people of Trinidad and Tobago. You know, when you leave a void out there, people like to fill it to the But you have a whole Ministry of Communication, do a whole ministry, have a whole media network, a whole ministry of communication. Each ministry has a whole comms department and marketing yeah. department and you're still struggling to get information out? But wow. You're now explaining, Paul. You're now explaining that. So, you're, so after seven years in office, you need a whole retreat to understand the importance of communication? In this age, you know, there are so many different and new sources of, of people consuming information that we have to adapt. To and you all do have access to those sources of information? Sorry? And you all do have access to those sources of information and, and platforms? We, of course we do. It's how or, you're just really, or you're just really bad at it. <laughs> but he uses access this morning, Paul. Yeah, but because you beg for him. I'm talking about... To the, why, and and I'm, I'm, I'm being jocular in, in the middle here, but I'm, I'm really being serious about the importance of effective communication in any government. Yes, I mean, it's forever changing, and we have to adapt. We've been working on doing that. I mean, it, it's... Well, Manning, how long are you in the office now? You're getting real good, you know what I'm saying? You ask me a question and you're giving the answer to? Exactly. <laughs> you're getting the man chance. You're getting real good. You're getting real good. As I was saying before, so rudely interrupted. I'd have called you a whirlpool now. Boy, you could spin. It's difficult because you have your head down doing your job. And then it's, you have to realize that there is an audience out there that you have to speak to. But that audience, in terms of this world of communication, is forever changing. It's dynamic. And what is working, yes, what worked yesterday doesn't necessarily work today in terms of getting your point across. So that's a challenge that the Ministry of Communications has been dealing with and also the different comms departments is that the way people consume information has changed so much. Our parents would have read the newspaper. This generation does not read the newspaper to get it's information, and we have to change as they change, and that is uh, uh, something that but, we have to but, keep up with. And that's not actually accurate, though, because they, they may not read the physical newspaper, but they read the same newspaper online. Well, that's what I mean. It's, it's how they consume information, you see? It's, it's a different. And also, they may take bite-sized videos 
you know, you may send out forwards. There, there, there are so many ways. YouTube videos. It, it's a different world when it comes to communication. All available to the People's National Movement Government, Minister Manning. All available to the government. And we are working on it. How would you respond to, to those who suggest that part of the issue with government championing their good news, let me put it that way, is because they've had to spend so much time outing their own files? <laughs> I would disagree with that. We have all been working extremely hard, especially during the past COVID crisis of the last two years, where I think we have performed admirably. International agencies have all given us uh, credit and kudos for the hard work that we have done. You have to remember, the, there are so many countries in this region that are involved in an IMF program right now. We came to a COVID crisis with many economists recommending right-sizing of the public service, calling for mass firing in the public service during this economic downturn for devaluation, which would dramatically um, increase the cost of living in this country. And this government did none of those things. People came out of this COVID crisis for the most part with their jobs intact and this economy uh, on an upswing. So look, take a look at Barbados is right now is, is in an IMF program, Jamaica. Half this region is, is in the pockets of the IMF coming out of COVID. I went to a conference the other day where the IMF presented a, a, a financing tool specific to developing countries like those in this region where it was a 30-year um, instrument. The first 10 years, there would be a moratorium, meaning that you would not have to pay or make any repayments on that debt or loan for that entire period. They made an instrument specifically for countries in this region that would have to borrow money and would have a difficult time repaying its debt anytime soon. Trinidad and Tobago is not in that category. We are nowhere near the IMF. We have an improved credit rating, which is a signal of the strength of our economy, and, this, and we are on the upswing. And you will see exactly what we are doing in, in time to come. You see, you see where they promote you? Could you be willing to take some calls? Yeah, I know. Okay, after you pass through this, if you're ready for any media house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we're preparing you for other media houses. We, we are going to open the phone lines. Our guest is Minister in the Ministry of Finance, Brian Manning, and Member of Parliament for San Fernando East. East, East, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. San Fernando East. So, so you can direct some call, some questions or comments to Minister Manning, who has graciously agreed to be with us this yeah. morning. I see, Mr. Minister Manning, I see there's a little political situation brewing in San Fernando um, City Corporation in terms of projects and, and which constituency they're falling in. I, I hope you all sort that out before it gets am, out of hand. I am unaware of any such issue. I mean, some people may seem to think that there's something like that going on, but I can mm-hmm. tell you that we are extremely focused on the projects that we have to implement, and mm-hmm. that is all, all we're doing. Yeah. Well, well, the mayor himself raised it, so I was wondering, um, it may, maybe... maybe yeah, you, you would have to ask him about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, saw, I saw a little issue. And, and how is your constituency itself going? Because while you are engrossed in your work as a minister of state, I'm sure you have to service your constituents also. Yes, we spent the last weekend involved in the national cleanup campaign, really moving our bulk waste out of the various areas. We were in Taradale, Monrepo, Pleasantville, Coquille Village. We've really been focusing on really getting down to a granular level in terms of dealing with the people of the constituency. You know, I have my usual weekend walk, so I go house to house within the constituency. There are several projects that we've identified. We want to get those moving. We want to have more housing. 
Um, we have some community centers, our, our cocaine pool and so on, that's going to be reopened soon. So we are uh, really ready to go. And like I, I said earlier, we want our San Fernando East Constituency Office to become an outreach center, you know, where persons with any kinds of issue can come for help, you know, at, from you know, Monday to Friday, not just when the MP is there to see the public. And we've been working diligently to do that. We're going to be going from area to area where we're going to have job fairs, um, we have free legal services, also free counseling for persons who may need that. Coming out of COVID, a lot of persons will have been traumatized by the experience of that, of that crisis or the financial level, personal level, emotional level. And we want to ensure that our people have what they need to live their best lives. What about development projects in the constituency? Yes, well, South Louis is a very residential project. Uh, sorry, residential constituency. So we're working to develop um, some of our housing areas and so on. The community centers, those are a more part of the infrastructure of South Lando East than, say, some of the other constituencies. I have a strange question for you now. Maybe, maybe a bit unfair. How do you think your late father would assess how the country is doing now? Yes, well, I mean, I think a lot of the success that we're enjoying right now came from the policies that he implemented. Remember, he was the advocate for us becoming, going from an oil to a gas economy, which I think has saved this country over the past few years. Also, the establishment of the HSF um, is something that has also benefited and saved this economy. Um, so I think he'd be extremely proud of the resilience that we have shown coming out of COVID and over the past few years where we have really been lurching from economic crisis to economic crisis. Uh, we are working on it and becoming more diversified as an economy. It's more challenging than I think most people think. But I think he'd be overall pleased with the direction in which we are going, because it is a direction that he first pointed us when he was leader of this country. The, the next question you don't have to answer. What advice would he have for the present prime minister? <laughs> I don't think he would be the one to give advice. You know, he allows people to do <laughs> Knowing their history. <laughs> yes. I mean, they, like I said, they were, they, were, they were both people, I think, who had the same objectives but disagreed on how to achieve those objectives. They're, they're two different people in terms of leadership style and in terms of, of how they decide to get things done. And that really was the sticking point, I think. So, but they, I, you, know, you know this country misses them terribly. At the end of the day, they both wanted to see this country become the best that it could be and, become, and to achieve developed country status. And that's the goal that we all have. You know, you mentioned digitization and the, the formation of the ministry and the investment in that. And with the exception of the Ministry of Transport, I have not seen the effect of that in the country yet. Why is that? No, that's not true. Come on. That, that's not true. We have been digitizing every government service throughout the country. I mean, at every level. From public admin, yes, Ministry of Transport is one. Even Ministry of Finance. We, we just passed the bill the other day um, for checking Digital checking. You were in the Senate when we, we did that. Yes, I remember that. That finance. escaped my memory. I apologize. Also, Ministry of Finance is also working to start making payments digitally uh, to bank accounts and not issuing checks. So all of these things, I mean, the, the Minister Bacchus has a mammoth task on his hands. I mean, he's, he's a man, I don't think he comes up for daylight because he is, he is working around the clock. And uh, he has been, you know, he's a very capable individual. 
working very, very hard. And over time, you're going to see many of these things simply develop. But, but again, again, Minister Manning, I mean, and yes, you, you had to remind me about the checking thing, and I was there. It again yeah. speaks to communication with the public as to what is happening because if i could forget and i was there you could imagine the average citizen who may not look at parliament who doesn't understand who not, not doesn't understand but is not keeping up to, to to track with what is available online now because it's not communicated effectively as a new service yeah, available that, online and that, that's a and fact that's which is why we really need to get minister Bacchus back up. and that's the difficulty that i that i'm talking about right because it was it was spoken about in the senate it is reported on every um, available traditional media source. It's in the newspaper. It's on television. Yeah, but that's me. That's not marketing. Video. That's that's media right. coverage, which is different to marketing of services available. Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed, and that's why we have to understand our target audience and understand how they absorb or digest this information and be better. At the same time, is trying to understand understand the target audience, Minister, with the greatest of respect. So We're in the digital age about twenty years now. So I'm not in the Ministry of Communication. All I know is that we are working with them, and all of the ministries are working with them to ensure that... I, I probably need to do a workshop with them, you know. I feel need to, to, to do a workshop and see if I can help them Maybe that is the way to go. <laughs> because <laughs> clearly, they may send the boat somewhere. They don't realize not everybody watches TTT, with the greatest of respect, and and marketing of... And, and I'm, I'm really being serious here you now, because it, it redounds to the benefit of every citizen if they understand and know what the new services are online, it decentralizes, they need to go into buildings, it makes it safer. And they have a right to know, quite frankly, because the service yeah. is for them. And an opposition agree. term came to mind, but I won't use it because I think Paul is genuine in, in his comments and his efforts here. <laughs> you could use it, you know. Don't matter to me. <laughs> nah, nah, nah. There's, there, but there's a deserving food if you had to eat it. <laughs> Watch me. The people who accuse it anyway. I'm going to behave myself. That's between you and Wendell. I'm just saying, I think Paul is genuine. And I think when, when, right. you, when you point fingers, four pointing back. I that's what I will say. Yeah. Okay, when you point fingers, yeah. four pointing back. No, but I'm no, serious wait, about the importance of effective communication. Because if, if the government is spending money to invest in digitization and is spending millions of dollars, probably billions of dollars in digitization and they're putting services online, the public should be aware of what it is, how to access it effectively. Otherwise, yeah, it comes yeah. to almost naught. You're, you're almost in it. You're shooting yourself in the foot. Yeah. In other words, yes, use yeah. the technology to teach people about the technology. That's, to let people know about the technology. It's a mammoth task. We've only just, yeah. we've only just created the Ministry of Digitization. Because it's, so it's been given that. Or you, or you hire a tribe. Now, tribe can market. You know, they get hundreds of thousands <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the Western area in the weekend. They get the jam and the wine whole weekend. Would, and with one week of marketing. Or you have, I have somebody who knows what they're doing now. Oh, God. Marketing fest in this country is not, is not hard. It's not difficult. <laughs> marketing services fest, is also not difficult if you know what you're doing. If, if I tell you right now, free fest in Savannah at 1 o'clock, I'm sure there'll be a million people there this, at 1 o'clock this afternoon. And if, I, and if you tell me free Wi-Fi and free services available so the people will access it. It's all about effective communication and effective marketing. That, that's a fact, so. you know. And, and, you have, and you have a media expert close to you. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't work <laughs> in the government, though. 
I didn't say I didn't call any names, sir. <laughs> you have a minister, you have a communication department in the ministry. I meant, you know, I didn't mean anybody personal, sir. Agreed, agreed. I didn't you call like, any names, sir. Next thing you know, next thing you know, next thing you know, Minister Manning had to be recusing himself all the time. Thank you, <laughs> thank you. I didn't call any name. I just say you, you know, people who are good at media, great at media and communication. That's why you. That's yeah. I guess that's why you become so good at it. <laughs> that must be it. <laughs> Maybe everyone needs to have someone like that at their side. <laughs> well, I mean, no, Turn your microphone off. Of the Ministry of, of um, Communications, like mm. I said, it is an evolving situation. People, the way people consume information and uh, access information. When, when you say that, it, it makes me feel that it's only not the Ministry of Communication realizing that. Not at <laughs> all. It's, it's just a moving target. It's not, it's not an easy thing. It, it is a moving target that everyone has seemed to master. Effectively, no, it's easier. It's no, easier no. to get information out now to, to to millions of people instantaneously. Mm. It, when Minister Ember tweets something, it goes out instantaneously. But there's no follow up in the marketing channel to different areas or levels of the society, and that's the problem. People feel because it's on TDT or because you had a press conference, everybody see or hear it, or they could understand it or digest it. That's not so. Mm. Yes, but it, it's difficult. I mean, like like I said earlier, we spoke about the issue in terms of um, electronic checking in the Senate. And you were there, and you didn't remember it. You know much so thing I see on here in the Senate? You know much noise that is sift in the Senate, with the greatest <laughs> respect? <laughs> no comment. I don't want to make any... any uh, I don't want to cast... <laughs> you, know, you, know much, you know much information and misinformation comes at me in the Senate that I have to sift through? You know that. Right. So it, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to get information to people in a way that they will consume it and remember it. And that, is, has been, that has been a perennial challenge. And it's changing every single day. So we, we are working on it. This is all I can say at this point. Minister Manning, thanks for being with us this morning. Not a problem. Thank you for having me. Always appreciate it. Where, where should we send the check, the, the invoice? Yeah, give it to Wendell. <laughs> <laughs> Have a great day and be safe. All right, Brian. All, all right. All the best, guys. All right, all Minister Brian Manning. Morning, all the best yeah. to you. Thank you. Thank you. All the best. Thank you for choosing Power 102 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.